Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Today I have a special interview with Camilo Olarte. Camilo is the founder of Indie Studios, and the reason I found out about Indie Studios is I was looking for a place to live in Medellin um, that was simple and easy and uh, had everything that I needed, including good internet, so I could upload these episodes and do the interviews. And Indie Studios is exactly that. if you are in Medellin, I highly recommend checking it out and uh, staying there. It's a reasonable price for very good internet and good people, and it's just they've got a good thing going there. Um, I have actually now moved up into the mountains above Medellin uh, because I, uh, the Medi- Medellin has a lot of pollution, so um, and I wanted to be closer to nature in preparation for some meditation retreats and uh, that I'm going to be doing in f- uh, February. So I just wanted to get settled into nature before doing those things so um and i hope you enjoy this episode if you do please find us on itunes spotify stitcher any of the other podcasting platforms and go ahead and subscribe i'm releasing episodes every day monday through friday i've probably got another 30 or 40 that i can release and i'll be doing that for the rest of the month of january Uh, and then on february i'll probably go back to a monday friday release schedule as i do these meditation retreats and publish them ahead of time Hope you enjoy this episode. Please find me on Twitter at Stuart Alsop, I-I-I. My DMs are open. Uh, you can send me a message. I'd love to hear what you're getting out of this episode or any of the other episodes. So uh, have a great day and hope you enjoy this episode. The founder, uh, co-founder of Indie Studios and Locale, uh, which we'll get into in just a second exactly what that is. Uh, but welcome welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah. And so we're sitting in Indie Studios right now um, in an apartment I'm renting. I came here about three weeks ago and uh, saw this place and it's pretty magical. I put some episodes of Twitter of the view that we're looking at right now. It's pretty cool. Um, why did you start Indie Studios? So it actually started as kind of uh, iteration process because uh, if you see the layout of the building, it's like it, it's not so co-living. As you can see, like many co-livings have like a short kitchen or these kind of different things. But at the beginning, it was more thought of because we have the university close by us, like a student residency. Uh, but then, obviously, through many trends that we have seen, like all the founders, we got together and we decided that the structure could be more suited for co-living, especially because here in Medellin, you don't really have a structure of co-living, like let's say as, at this size. You have a lot of like houses that people have refurbished or like remodeled. Uh, to to yeah make co-livings, but this is kind of like the only building that uh, is intended for for doing that. So let's say it started as an iteration process where we said like an opportunity, a market opportunity here, and uh, that's how the building started. But the brand on top of that uh, comes more from an opportunity we see from three big trends, and one is uh, obviously the gig economy, mm. where we see a lot of people going to do freelancing and a lot of people doing uh, just you know like works and projects and then traveling a lot because they have that freedom then um i don't know if you know this but like 50 percent of the jobs in the us are uh ready to be remote right Mm. and you just see this like trend going bigger and bigger and bigger um so then that kind of combines with the nomad movement or what we call the nomad nomad movement that people are deciding hey i'm in the states i'm making you know like an average salary like five thousand dollars a month or let's say $50,000 in, in the US that like in a big city, that's not enough to live. But many people that are developers, programmers, uh, you know, like marketeers, they do that kind of like money. So if they come here in Medellin, like they, they are rich basically, right? 
So you see a lot of people going to these places where there's like high quality of living, but at cheaper prices and they maintain their income in, in the US or in Europe. So they can afford a really nice living while having, let's say, a medium average salary. Um, so yeah, so the Nomad movement is another big trend that we see and we see like that is happening more and more and more. And then we talk about when we really put the added value of indie, we talk about the digital creation platforms. So I think like we're going to be speaking on one, right? Like either Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, uh, YouTube, Instagram. There's all these platforms where people can share their content and their creations and somehow monetize their passions. So we really wanted to build spaces for that kind of creators. So then you have a nomad and a freelancer that you know like can be across industry, but we focus on the independent creators and we call it the indie economy mm. because it's really about those people that want to generate content and share it and you know, like make it uh, a brand, make a brand of what they, their passion is and what they really want to do with their life. So mm. that's how like indie started as a brand uh, here in this building. And now there's, let's say, uh, international aspirations and a lot of like growth to be have yeah like to be happening like on the near future hopefully interesting uh i was talking with my friend sam miller yesterday and he, he's run a youtube channel uh called life afar and we were in so he basically for people who want to come here yeah yeah nice living out of that I yeah. guess. <laughs> and so we were talking and he was saying something interesting that was like um that if you you can either create content that is spreadable to everyone, but then you have to dumb it down in order to get wide, wide mass reach. Or you can create niche content that is about a particular thing, but in that case, it's really hard to drive your revenue from um, from brand deals or anything like that, because the brands are looking for the maximum reach, basically, or they, they yeah. traditionally have. Maybe that's changing now. So I think, well, when we talk about like looking for a massive market or more like niche market, uh, I believe you can do both mm. now with technology and, and that's what we are really betting on and, and to do like a big investment on technology because if you look at it, uh, we have come to like even niche now is not enough because people are expecting personalization to a next level with uh, customer experience. So if you're able to understand a massive market, uh, but you're able to attend that market understanding individually uh, needs and wants and all the different things that people are looking at and experience, then you can do a really big size business or a scalable business uh, while still providing what people want. And that's through personalization of spaces, of communication, of, you know, like just room temperature. Mm. <laughs> like if you think about it and all this is, you know, like possible because we are able to capture customer data in a way obviously being respectful of like privacy and different things because we're talking about residential products so but it's still if it's like an opt-in option where you want to have your room personalized to your taste to your colors to your temperature with the plants you like with the welcome message you like we will be able to do that because we will have that customer profile and we will be even able to predict what would you like on content and we're talking about physical content that i think is like the next thing uh, through, you know, like using AI, I'm not just dropping the name there, you know, like obviously all these big trendy words, I, I try to avoid them. Mm -hmm. But when you're able to really understand what people are crazy about and what they like really love, 
and you're able to provide that, I think that's a good use of that technology. And that's what we will be aiming with the spaces like in the future. Is that what Locale is? What is Locale? So, okay, so Locale is, uh, is a different thing. It's also like 100% tech base. It's a tech company. And um, funny because before we started the podcast, you, you mentioned WeWork. And um, yeah, I work in Celine as well. And like you see these high pace growth, uh, growth companies on real estate. Uh, and it's not only like we were Selena, then you have also like common, uh, including spaces, you outside. have, yeah, like outside, for example, you can even talk about uh, Wonder, mm. they like raised a lot of money, they did a big partnership and they are growing quite fast. Um, Medici Living, for mm. example, they raised like a billion dollars or something like that, mm. it's crazy. Is Rome still around? Rome? Rome, Rome? so like, I, I think like outside Rome, uh, they have like a pause, they start growing, but yeah, they pause early. around like, 15, 20 locations, if I'm uh, correct. Interesting. Uh, even Soho House is not a big, but like uh, it's a big brand, right? Like, and I think it, it, it comes from like different things. One is like, you're creating a lot of hype around your brand. So that tends to increase your valuation, not necessarily with a lot of value back, back mm -hmm. in that valuation. Definitely you can talk about that with WeWork. Then you have the reality of the real estate business that is just like, hard <laughs> to operate a building and you need people too. money and you know like you, you need to be with a just bigger operation from like a startup scene right which is a which is the opposite to what most tech companies face because most tech companies want to basically take the human out of it create exactly. technology and leave as little human element of it as possible whereas real estate it's the opposite when when, when i say like we are uh, uh, let's say people intensive uh industry is because the only way you can attend or like like yeah like get more users is by building more spaces mm. and when you do that you need to hire more people right like when tech companies they like i, I just joke around like they can plug another server mm. or they can just like increase their server capacity on amazon web services or like microsoft or whatever and that's it right mm. like that's how they grow that's how like they are able to take in more clients and their expenditure is in marketing in let's say development in customer service that are really important things and that is cash intensive as well but not because you need to provide those three as well <laughs> in real estate plus operation and operation is going to be like one big ticket on your like piano right mm -hmm. so so i think that's that's where i see that uh let's say these companies and like coming back to local um these companies need uh, alternative ways of funding, right? And I think like that pair up with an opportunity that I had, like on a personal experience, and is I was lucky enough to have a, a job with a nice salary since like I was young and I was like enjoying a disposable income. Um, and I don't trust, the, uh, you know, like the, the stock market. Mm. Uh, I don't want to do crypto, <laughs> you know, like I just don't want to be looking at my screen every day, like wow. worrying about a number, right? Currencies, everything like that. So. That's not for me. That's for certain people. They make tons of cash. They're amazing for them. I just don't want to have that kind of concern on the back of my mind. So I thought about real estate, you know, like your parents, they always told you like real estate is a good investment, uh, brick and mortar, they, they, it won't go anywhere. I like uh, as crypto that just like vanish. Um, so I started to investigate uh, if the places that I wanted to invest on and that I wanted to live in, because it's also like the factor of having a home, uh, and I couldn't afford it. It was just, like too expensive. And the whole, let's say, financing mechanism is not suited for my reality. Because when you think about it, you have, let's say, 
mortgage is around 20 years and the down payment is not even what I have saved yet. Mm. And they're asking for, you know, co-lenders that earn like three times what I'm going to be paying monthly, which in my network, to be honest, doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I'm making a commitment for 20 years, a financial commitment when my, like I'm destined to have seven jobs in my life. The corporation span uh, life is like 17 years in average now, which is like, I'm going to have a loan for longer than the company that is probably going to like I, I'm gonna resign or fire me or whatever in two years. So uh -huh. It's just like it's really scary, right? And if you talk about psychology and how we were raised, we're just like afraid of commitment. Mm -hmm. So you have this like really big commitment you have to make in your life in order to afford a home. And then let's talk about the flexibility that you would have like owning a home, and it's like zero to none because you need to operate it, you need to take care. Just right now, like um, I have an apartment and it got flooded mm. and like the whole roof like came down oh, wow. and like <laughs> that's something you need to deal with physically yeah. and then if you pair with the lifestyle that many of the people in our generation want to have we want to travel we want to be able to you know like just move cities quite easily we don't want to have any like long-term commitments mm. I, I cannot even commit to friday to go out <laughs> or at least my friends cannot do that so so you know like we want a really different lifestyle and we're focusing on experiences, memories, uh, community. Um, but it's still like, and, and I can go like, you know, like hours and hours about this, but um, just to make it short, we see on an accessible market on flexible uh, schemes and mechanisms and a lot of need for it. Mm. Because if you think about it, uh, pension funds are not gonna last so long. Mm. Uh, we are not financial savvy at all, so like not many can do a stock market and things like that. And then uh, where we're going to save if we are just working all our lives, uh, how you're going to get like disposable income when you're old and pension funds are not there, uh, real estate could be an option. Mm -hmm. So we created Local and Local basically is a platform uh, of what we call is digital ownership. Mm -hmm. So it's taking real estate assets and properties such as Indy. Um, putting a brand, a community, an experience on top of that so it's attractive to people and people want to live there. Mm -hmm. And then what we basically do is tokenize the asset. So we divide it in multiple number of tokens and we allow people to buy in, into the brand. Mm -hmm. So you're not, let's say, it's, the, it's different from the crowdfunding scheme because you're not buying necessarily just in one project, but rather you're buying a token in a brand that through the brand expansion will grow both on value and diversification of risk. So it's essentially, it's like uh, Nike, if Nike were, had a lot of real estate and their business formation was around real estate, you would yeah. basically be owning a part of Nike uh, token. It's almost like a stock market, uh, but for re real estate brands, basically. Exactly, so, so it's more like owning shares in a real estate company. Mm. But the difference here is because we talk about ownership, we're not talking about investment. Mm. And you have crowdfunding platforms out there that you know like do really good fundraise, not to mention many other. But uh, for me, that's not enough because I don't want to invest. I want to be owner of a home, uh -huh. and I want to live there, right? So what we're offering basically is that with this token, you get two benefits. One is either perceived an income, a disposable income that you can use for whatever you want, travel X, Y, and C. Uh, you have a brand that is strong, like a team that is behind, like generating money for that real estate. Uh, so you have to trust that it's a good investment, it's diversified through multiple assets, mm. and it's, it's, let's say, more valuable than just buying a home while being still accessible because you're not buying a whole apartment, you're mm. just buying a token in a company. 
And then you have the other thing that we call living right. And is if you basically want to occupy the space and you want to say like, hey, I want to, instead of perceive income, I want to perceive a discount that can be up to 100% or even more like 100% and receive still income, depending on the number of tokens you have, mm -hmm. uh, you can come and do it. You can come and stay at Indy, you know, like pay less rent mm -hmm. uh, and you're putting your money to gain value through time, but still you're enjoying home ownership. And you're being owner of a space rather than just you know like a renter, yeah. which what we want to eliminate kind of. Interesting. So it's the optionality. You're trying to cater to the our generations wanting to be optional and basically say, hey, I want to live this month at Indy, and then next month I want to go off to Bali exactly. and earn earn the and then a way of basically earning off of that asset while you go on to Bali. Or like even that. going further, where we will have an Indy in Bali, and then uh -huh. you can say like, I just want to move to Bali, right? Uh -huh. And I want to move to Indy in Bali. And you don't have to worry about like renting out your place because we'll just take care of that. Mm -hmm. um, and we will have a place ready for you with personalization on. on. And it goes beyond, let's say, Indy. Let's mm -hmm. say Indy is the first brand that we partner on. And obviously I'm partnering Indy. Mm -hmm. But the idea is to grow as a marketplace where you will have, uh, because I think Indy is a niche product, as I said, like in the sense of like it caters to creatives, right? Mm -hmm. But what if you're like more towards financial markets and mm -hmm. you want like a little more luxury mm -hmm. or what if you're like a young family starting and you want to leave something more like suburbs like modern mm -hmm. houses like bigger spaces right and, and it's always about community living and i think like it's always about experience in a way but we want to cater to many tastes yeah. right and i want to we want to be kind of like a white label in that sense mm -hmm. where just people that are owning a home and want to own a home uh that's what we will talk to and like that's our kind of customer base you should talk to Ali Hamid, who I've also interviewed. He, uh, they're investors out of New York, and they noticed something interesting, which is that there are b businesses being built off of Airbnb and businesses being built off of Shopify that basically are investable uh, in these in these types of business as well. And that they're it's not only te it's like businesses, it's normal businesses that are being. Uh, allowed to do what they need to do by technology, things like Shopify and Airbnb and other things like that. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it makes sense. I think you, you should talk to them about this. Um, that uh, would be amazing if yeah. you can make that connection for sure. I love to to meet people. You know, like uh, just like last week, there's uh, there was one of uh, our let's say independents. That's how we call people yeah. that that live in India in our community. Uh, and she works for consensus, okay, uh, right? Like, and I was like, just like that kind of like introduction. And I was like, oh, we're just like, I was doing a tour of the building and she's like, oh, I work for consensus. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I actually know like the CEO from like uh, South by Southwest, like just like from LinkedIn, right? Like not that I know her personally, but uh, it's just, like really amazing how like these kind of connections can happen, right? Like you came to the building and say like, Hey, what is this, right? <laughs> which, which is the weird, which is the thing that I'm kind of exploring because in San Francisco, that's existed for a long time. It's like the open nature of the networks in San Francisco yeah. because people realize that you could essentially, um, if instead of being a closed, closed off to new opportunities, you could be open to new opportunities yeah. and then new opportunities would come your way and then it would create these synchronicities. And then there's this weird thing that comes with the meditation and the wellness kind of thing that also happens in San Francisco. Both, both of those different parties talk about synchronicity. But the, the weird thing that's happening now is it's spreading to the rest of the world. So it's yeah. like the, the... It's kind of like the start of movement, huh? Yeah, it's the start of movement. And then it, it's, it's going at the same time that San Francisco is essentially becoming very difficult to live in uh, for anybody who's doing creative work. So that's yeah. why you're having people come here because it's like you don't have this like gnarly rent 
monster in your head saying like in one month you owe two thousand dollars yeah, exactly. like you know you can come here in medellin and, sp- and spend a lot less and then uh, be more creative essentially um, it is and and you know funny enough like uh just going back a little bit of like going off topic i guess uh when i worked in selena uh i did like six months of a project where we were investigating the possibility of creating innovation hubs around mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. uh and i think that's something i want to bring to indy for sure because when you talk about uh, really develop innovation ecosystems and startup ecosystems, it's something like, mer- like it starts with culture. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think it starts with talent. I don't. Know. It starts with the culture of the place where people are like more open for collaboration. People are more open to share ideas. Uh, people are just like more uh, prone to innovate. I would, I would say, and um, the the project what we were looking at is how these smaller innovation ecosystems because in, in size of like capital and like startups and patents that are like coming out of it it's definitely like not comparable mm. but then when you put it together it's like a big competition right like you can really talk about like hey like you have way more capital like if you put it together so how do you create embassies where uh basically people are just like being able to uh you know like import or export talent capital mm. uh you know like projects technology mm. and uh creating this global network and then that we just don't refer to one single ecosystem as like the san francisco the ecosystem or medellin ecosystem or uh you know like uh, barcelona ecosystem i don't know like you can think of many many cities but rather you refer as a single startup ecosystem that is just so easy to just immediately access it mm-hmm. and uh, it's an interesting thing because I think like with physical space you can really achieve that so how we bring that to in the essence is also really important for us and that that kind of talks to the difference between online and offline spaces and now there's st- the difference between the two is starting to disappear a lot and that's actually yeah. how I found this place I was I was tweeting about looking for an apartment in Medellin and then one of my Twitter followers who had never talked to me before in my life uh, all of a sudden reaches out to me and says like Oh, here's here's a co-working space. Like uh, I'm super curious who is this guy because <laughs> I need to thank him. I need to invite him for a cocktail. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's funny you mentioned like on on uh, offline and online because we have this term. So let's say we are creating our own dictionary a little bit, right? Like the independence, uh, mm. other words that we are like taking and making our own. And there's one that I really like and is on life. So it's basically how we define it is on life content mostly and it's where physical spaces meet digital platforms or digital spaces and i think you need epicenters for that to happen right and and it's really about how you take for example an amazing jamming session right and you stream it so now like an artist that normally would get like i don't know like 20 people to listen to his music and he's quite talented now he can be online and like just achieve the world and inspire the world with his music or you can do backwards as well. Like you can take video game tournaments that would normally happen on laptops mm-hmm. and you're like, just like in a digital medium and you can create a crowd that will like create a whole sport vibe about it. And like we see trends that this is happening, right? So what if like we can create spaces that are meant to do that? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, a little bit of what we're also exploring. Let's say there's a lot of exploration right now going on to really see what is the essence of the brand and what is like the thing that we were gonna be doing in the future um so if, if i were referred to the future of india i would never uh say like we're going to be doing like 25 square meter apartments by then i don't think it's about that but i think we're all always going to be serving the independent economy mm. or the indie economy and we're always going to be creating on life content mm. and i think that's kind of like the two solid base grounds that we're creating now interesting 
And so you're expanding in Medellin, you're going to first start to go into a different few different locations in Medellin. Right. Uh, yeah, so let's say right now uh, we are building on, on one of our OKRs in the company is to uh, build a sustainable growth model uh -huh. of our lines of business. So we have in the studio that is more the residential area and then we have in the lab that is like the working area. Uh, let's say we always combine, kind of like merge those two in the in the spaces. So now in the building we're sitting, we're going to do a little bit of a co-working space, mm. just small and a content lab. That, that's what we call like the working spaces. Um, and making it sustainable means that our corporate team that is delivering those amazing ideas and concepts and is not so focused on operation mm. needs to have a sustainability, right? Uh, let's say, so you need to kind of price uh, how much you're charging for that corporate services to the locations mm -hmm. in order to make it sustainable. And if we would only have one uh, location per city, that's definitely not sustainable. Or I couldn't hire as, as amazing people as I hire and like I want to hire. So it's really about like in-grow in, in the city first, and then from there we'll start like looking at other cities. And I'm talking about Miami, Mexico City, New York, LA, uh, Buenos Aires, Lisbon. You know, like anything that is kind of what we call startup city, mm -hmm. where there's a lot of uh, creative industries going around. Mm -hmm. So we are not really limited to say LATAM. No. Uh, we obviously have way more contacts in LATAM to grow. Uh, so probably our second location is going to be either Mexico, Buenos Aires, uh, Lima, you know, like mm -hmm. big cities around LATAM. But, but yeah, like if, you know, like something pops up in Europe and an opportunity comes in Europe, I'm not limited to that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's really important as well. Very cool. And then um, who designed this building? Who was the designer? It's like stunning yeah i know it's, it's it's great like we're actually doing an interview to our designer uh tomorrow uh -huh. so part of uh let's say in this uh like way to do things is to empower local creatives mm -hmm. right and we do that as much as we can uh because it's really about you know like uh live what you preach so if i'm saying like i want independent creators to create when i have opportunities of like designing spaces uh I just don't do in-house right now. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like in the future, it might be sustainable to work on collaborations. Right now, our uh, design firm is called uh, DH or DH in Spanish. Mm -hmm. uh, they designed the whole like interiorism, and then we have an architect that designed the building, right? So it was kind of like a collaboration. Uh, he's doing most of our spaces. So if you see like the whole experience, spaces, operations, like. We spread around and we kind of try to possibly impact not through a lot of like social responsibility programs we still are doing that and we're still believing that but it's more about how do we bring money into the economy mm -hmm. and we're locals right like all founders are from Medellin so yeah. it's not saying that we're not bringing money to the economy yeah. uh, with Indy but uh, still like if I can have like a local uh, design firm why I won't do that if I can have a local really uh, great entrepreneur of an FMB why I'm not going to collaborate to design my menu with them if I can have like an amazing let's say uh, event planner on the city mm. you know like uh, I don't see as much as like having corporate teams that are defining these kind of things the corporate teams should define the guidelines the essence and then like you should deliver this material to those local creators and for them to really create an amazing thing yeah. and that's the weird thing because it's like I walk around Laurelis which is the neighborhood that we're in and I see this building and it like sticks out in a very it beautiful does. way it <laughs> does uh, and so there's a couple questions because it's like First, 
it seems like you gave the license to the designer to do what what they kind of felt inspired to do. Yeah. And then the second thing is, did you have any pushback from like the local community? Because it's it's like very different. It, it is funny you mentioned that. So I think like with the local community, they're really happy about uh, about us. So if you talk about like shop owners and like restaurant owners and uh, even residents here, they enjoy it a lot because we tend to be really mindful of that. Um, well, I guess you have experience throughout the month. We don't do a lot of loud events and we, we try to incorporate people who are going to be conscious about it and they're going to be you know like polite with our neighbors and things like that and I think we're really careful with that yeah. uh, and we also bring a, a lot of uh, source or like revenues for yeah. the local community so we have a barbershop that is always full mm-hmm. uh, we have a local co-work right like that is always full we have uh, Salud Pan I don't know if you have been but it's like a restaurant a healthy restaurant that's always full and they, they just got like 30 new clients, right? Um, and I think that's that's good for them. Uh, so they, they haven't been doing a lot of pushback. But funny enough, I was having a conversation with one of our residents here uh, and he said like, it's so funny because you could never do that in Switzerland. <laughs> it's like forbidden. Yeah. Like you need to do a whole thing about the landscape of the city, which I like agree and disagree in a way, right? Uh-huh. So. So yeah, and then like the creative license is one we still find in that essence. Uh-huh. We call our kind of like space design industrial creativity. Mm. And that's uh, really about the functional of the place. So if you see it's really a humble space, you know, like we have concrete floors and we have like brick walls. Uh, and But it's also creative in a way that we want to inspire people with the space as well. Industrial spaces don't tend to be super inspiring so that's why like we like kind of dress mm-hmm. it on color and put like really nice furniture and those kind of things so it's a space where you feel it's approachable while still getting inspired and feeling creative it sounds like berlin like if i were to choose a city where that that chic or that kind of design mentality would come through yeah i think like so i think like berlin i think medellin as well has a lot of that barcelona mm-hmm. i would Barcelona's also say so that a little bit of like industrial feeling uh, while still like being quite creative and colorful. Mm-hmm. How has uh, the digital nomad thing in Medellin, because I, I would say that there's three hotspots in the world for digital nomads. There's Chiang Mai, there's Bali, and then there's Medellin. Yeah. And it's well, like, I would say Lisbon as well. Lisbon as well. Interesting. I would add right, Lisbon yeah. and Buenos Aires. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so like, it's so interesting just because you have so many foreigners coming here and not only from San Francisco or from the United States, but from everywhere in the world yeah. that are, that are, that are coming here. And how has that influenced like your thinking or the thinking of people in Medellin? I think, uh, one, like the way to truly measure if you're like a nomad city is by looking at the average stay of people mm-hmm. on the city. Yeah. And here in Medellin, let's say in Colombia, like, um, Bogota, I think is like two days, mm-hmm. which just means like it's a business city. Uh, Cartagena is like three days. Mm-hmm. So it's more like a weekend kind of thing. But then in Medellin, we have uh, an average of like 11 days, mm. which is crazy. Oh, I'm talking about tourism. Uh, and that's really pushed for like, let's say, uh, towards that 11 uh, days by the people who are staying like two or three months. Yeah. That normally they will stay in India. That's like the funny thing. So I think the nomad movement uh, handled in a good way can be great. Because if you ask me about Bali, I'd, I don't want to go to Bali. I think mm. it's wrong. Uh-huh. because and, and I was talking about this yesterday as well and is uh, it's let's say you need to be really careful when you're coming to another culture and you need to be really respectful because the thing with uh, developed countries there's this sense sometimes of superior uh, superiority mm-hmm. of, like we know better we know how to do better our economy is better 
And undeniable, there's like better things that have been done. I think that is wise developed countries and in developing countries. Um, so, but still, if you come to be like part and add to the local community, that can be a quite positive thing because you're bringing all that knowledge and you're really collaborating with the people and you're treating them as equals. Mm. But in Bali, uh, mm. and what we're talking about, that this is an example of a guy that he was a local mm. and he was like the only local and a co-working space yeah. and people tend to ask for coffee to him like, <laughs> everywhere yeah. like every day so yeah. if you think about it like people were so used to that it was the division of like people are working on the co-work are foreigners or expats yeah. um people yeah. are like locals that are in the co-work they're just working for the co-work yeah uh, and I think that's where I say like you need to be careful because I've seen that and even if you go back even before the digital nomad movement uh, like Mexico for example Cancun mm. like that's that's kind of like the mentality so I love the nomad movement because I think it's going to cross pollinate many cultures many you know, like uh, we talk about like this really uh, merge citizenship mm. which I love and I think it's pushing for that but I also am aware of like its dangers and uh, we want to be, let's say a good factory in like bringing the great nomads, the ones that are gonna collaborate and educate the ones that mm. maybe are not aware. Mm. Uh, and that's that's very interesting, particularly the example you gave of, of Bali and like no locals whatsoever in the co-working space. I feel like in Latin America, the, the cultures are like different than, than Europe and, and the United States, but they're not really different. Yeah. Whereas, whereas in Bali and Tha- Thailand as well, it's like, very very different cultures but that's the interesting thing i just did an interview with david gundaran who's an indonesian guy who's starting a company and like it's gonna be a massive company they're basically um taking all the middlemen that usually take food from the markets and get it to the restaurants and they're consolidating that into one one middleman uh, but it's going to be a big company if they can if they can do what they're they're setting for out sure. to do. For like, sure, um, supply chain is yeah, and so like, a big opportunity. Yeah, and Indonesia is huge, massive, massive yeah. market. Like it's a it's and and then but then because the culture is so different, when a digital nomad like arrives in Indonesia, they have almost nothing. Uh, they just it it's, it feels very yeah. difficult to basically to, to connect. In, yeah, whereas in Latin America, it's feels much easier it's pretty good to speak spanish but yeah i think like western culture yeah know, like there's a lot of like u.s influence and mm-hmm. definitely in colombia 100 percent like uh people tend to admire the lifestyle which at the end you know, like you can agree or disagree with but uh is is there right like there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, u.s influence and, and european influence and at the end like that's the roots of mo- most of the population here and we have like a mixed population between pre-Hispanic, English, German, you know, like so many migrants from Europe to Latin uh-huh. America and America. Uh-huh. Where in Asia, there was already like really sales societies. Yeah. So and I don't think they're like values. strong cultures, right? Yeah. And well, you can talk about like the whole wiping out the indigenous people through the flu, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> through the Spanish flu, which is like crazy, but uh, first chemical warfare <laughs> there was. Yeah. But, but yeah, like there was no strong civilization left after the Spanish and English conquered, mm-hmm. you know, like America. Mm-hmm. So I think from that, you have a lot of influence and you have a lot of like similarities, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still wonder, you know, like, is, is, is it something about culture? Is it something about education? Is mm-hmm. it something about development. economic development? Yeah. Uh, I cannot put my finger on it, but yeah. there, there is something that happens there when you receive a lot of like people are like 
highly educated, you know, less highly educated society on how that can interact either for good or bad. Yeah, well, and that's what I see because I, I see, I saw this amazing stat for the United States that it's uh, for the boomers, the older people own like 68% of the wealth uh, yeah. and then generation X, generation Y, I can't remember, but the next generation, the one above me, the above the millennials owns yeah. like 8% and then the millennials own 3%. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like the growth in the United States is essentially topped out except for the small percentage yeah. that owns a lot of the wealth. Um, but in a country like Colombia, in a country like Mexico, in a country like Indonesia, this is where the, there's still huge opportunity left as well. Indeed. So, yeah, and so that's that's what I see is like is that now there's this opportunity opportunity to grow education to bring like you know like uh, how many there's how many people in Colombia like uh, 40 million. Uh, I know in Medellin we're around like four million. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like outside, like I think like forty something. Yeah, and so like, and you know, all those people who are in like don't have yet, don't even have a cell phone yet. You know, yeah. Getting yeah. them a cell phone and then getting them access to water and then bringing them up and then they can start to become consumers in the economy and essentially grow the economy in a way yeah. that the United States doesn't have that opportunity anymore. Exactly. And that's where the real growth comes from, and that's where the real kind of creativity comes from. I think too. Yeah, well. I think like for growth, uh, people are starting to look to you know the forgotten continents mm -hmm. like Latin America, Africa, Asia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Asia is already like, I think like you're gonna see kind of a population growth plus kind of like middle class growth as you saw in China. Yeah. And that basically is gonna happen in multiple countries. Let's say here in Latin America, we still have uh, the communist vibes. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I don't know, like it, it worked well for China. Don't ask me, like I'm not really political in that way. But uh, you have a lot of like revolution. So there's no like stable, like governments going inside. Um, you can see the example of what happened to Chile or what happened to Venezuela, what's happening in Argentina. So like this, uh, let's say unstability or like, uh, yeah, like this lack of structure throughout really a long period of time uh, avoids for that development to happen. So hopefully now, like what you see in Colombia, we have stable, uh, been more stable from a political point of view. Of course, we have been on protests during these days, but uh, still, you still feel like there's this, like uh, yeah, like a substantial uh, structure on oh, politics, yeah. uh -huh. um, and you see changes. It's like everything is going to change through time, but I think that allows the country to move forward because people are building on top instead of like building, mm -hmm. like scraping everything and building again, which is not the way society like really leads forward to like wipe out everything and then try to build. Yeah, because uh, well, uh, we always joke around like political uh, people here. That they will just come and fire the whole staff, of, yeah. like stop the projects. And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh -huh. I think like in the states you have a similar thing right now, which is uh, why I think the growth has stagnated, and mm. and you don't see the United States like leading forward, and you see China's racing because of that, mm. because the division and let's say yeah, like the really like 50-50 kind of mentality, where oh we'll get it for eight years and we'll do what we want and then yeah, we'll the get it years, and like yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like pulling, you know, like two sides instead uh, of like pulling forward. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so we got about five minutes left. What is a question that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? Wow, that uh, it is a tricky question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm curious about. Uh, I, I guess for me, like uh, when when I'm talking about entrepreneurs, I always talk about their personal motivation. So uh -huh. I would always ask like. What is your personal motivation of doing what you're doing? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like 
I, I have a clear purpose in my life. I, I did an ayahuasca ceremony not so long ago that changed kind of like a lot of how I approach it. And I, I found my North Star and I come from a design background and I come from a creative household. My, my mom was an artist. So I have like this really big passion for creativity that I feel like creativity is the solution to many of our problems in a way of like how we frame our lives, how we approach problematics, how we interact with people. Um, and then like, because I come from a design background, I always had like this word in my mind that I, I don't know, I dislike it for like some reason, but I never could put my finger on it. And it's users, right? Like, and I hate this word. Mm. Because it just like means we're here to use. Right? Like we're <laughs> part of a machine of consumerism machine where you just plug the human and he will consume whatever product you do. <laughs> And in the tech world, it's like a big word and like also just like entrepreneurship itself. So I don't want to be a user. I don't want anybody buying my product to be a user. So uh, my purpose in life has come to be transform a generation of users into a generation of creators. Mm. And that's mean people that will own their experience and they will create their own experience through creativity. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's kind of like my motivation for everything I do in my life. That's interesting. Because the, the stats, you know, it's like, I think it's like, uh, I'm not going to get this right, but uh, like 99% or 95% or something like that. 99% invisible. Yeah, consume, yeah, like, and then there's 1% who create and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And I read an, another interesting nuance to that, which is that they did subjective feelings of wellness for these for these different buckets. And the people who are just consuming are miserable, but the people who are, who are creating yeah. are actually... Uh, feel great exactly like, yeah. well if you see in indie that's what we're trying to be right mm -hmm. like people that can like truly uh sustain their lives through their passion mm -hmm. and it's not about just like oh do what you love and just work on whatever you like yeah. there's gonna be some stuff that are not fun to do yeah. but as long as it's like your passion and you really believe in it and it's like more about believing in it mm -hmm. not like liking mm -hmm. or like f having fun uh i think you're gonna be like happy yeah. Right, you're gonna have like fulfillment, and uh, I have a word of creative fulfillment, and it's when you have an idea and when you actually bring it to reality mm -hmm. through your own mediums, and like you are the like cause of that, like existing from a drawing to a song to a company. Mm -hmm. Like I think like that's my heroine. Huh? Like like I love that. I do furniture. I do drawing. I do like writing. I do companies. I do that. It's just from that rush of like when I finish a project, I'm like wow. Like I, I made that happen somehow, or like we made that happen. Mm -hmm. And this brings into something, I just did an interview with one of my first ones in Spanish, and it was with a professor from Upebe University here, uh, and he studied creativity, and he told me something I didn't know, which is that the first time that the word creativity was ever used was in the 17th century by a poet. Uh, and before that, it had only existed in the context of God, like God was the only thing that could create. And then all of a sudden this poet used it in reference to poetry, um, and then people started studying it and now it's like a thing and now it's like in a sense like technology is giving us the power to be gods and then to create something out of nothing and which is really cool it's a very uh, cool thing to do um, I think you can make it of like you're the god of your own reality mm -hmm. right and like you're owner of your own reality so if you can create it I think you're going to be happy yeah and you get more agency basically exactly yeah mm -hmm. well cool Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people find out more about you and more about Indy? Uh, so uh, they can visit us at uh, local.life and at Indy they can search us on the social network, Instagram, Facebook, and we also have a website, indy.com.co. Mm -hmm. um, I guess we will post some of those links on, on the on description. The show, the <laughs> and it's local, uh, L-O-K-L, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, cool. Awesome, thank you. Thank yeah. you very yeah, much, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode with Camilo. 
I am releasing episodes every day, Monday through Friday for the rest of the month of January. Uh, and then I will be going back to a Monday, Friday release schedule for the month of February while I'm on retreat. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other podcasting platforms and go ahead and subscribe. And if you're feeling very generous, I would love to get a review from you. Hopefully that's a good one. Um, and uh, I'm on Twitter at Stuart Alsop, I-I-I-S-T-E-W-A-R-T-A-L-S-O-P-I-I-I at Twitter. Hope you guys have a great day.